to Know Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast brought to you by Home Field Apparel. I'm Carlos. Joining me live is Avery at Brave Grapes. You don't know how to crop videos? I uh, not only did not know how to crop videos, I should have put a black background. That was extremely funny. Learning <laughs> lesson for me. And for the last time ever, read at Pac-10 Read. Great teams cover. <laughs> uh, no Greg, talk about co- no, uh, covering. No Greg, no Matt. They decided to preemptively duck the smoke watching Utah play football on the road. But they will be back next week. Don't you worry. Shout out to those joining us live on YouTube. Like the video. Send us in your comments and thoughts and subscribe to the channel. Please subscribe to our channel. I notice people are watching in droves, but they aren't subscribing. So how about you help us out? Uh, we're at 154 subscribers right now, I think. Our goal is to get to 250 by the end of September. Help us get there by clicking subscribe right now. Podcast listeners, we have not forgotten about you. Thank you for tuning in once again. Be sure to follow the show and rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify. We did get a new five-star review. This one is from our homie Yet Another Duck. Uh, They say, Greg knows ball. Grapes has the best opinion on majority grass landscaping and is a true reader of vibes. Matt has terrible lawn takes, but is good for a quip, a reasonable take, and then a scorching hot take at any given time. Reed is leaving the show soon, but as a fellow duck, he will be missed. The voice of reason, another one who knows ball. Carlos is a solid host, could name four players from every Pac-12 team, and is a magnificent troll. This pod has such a great balance while also being a bunch of Pac-12 sickos. Thank you so much, yet another duck fan, for that five-star review. Please give us a five-star review. We'll try to read it on air. Also, as always, we have extra bonus Pac-12 football content for you on Patreon. Greg runs a weekly preview episode uh, looking ahead to the next week's slate of games. That gets posted late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. So if by Thursday you're really itching for some Pac-12 stuff to get you ready for the weekend, Greg has you covered with a look ahead to week three of the season dropping middle of this week. All right. Let's move on to talk some Pac-12 football. Let's get all that out of the way. Today, we are starting with Wazoo's big-time upset win over Wisconsin in Pullman. Reed, how about you recap this one for us? The Cougs earned our lead game spot this week by delivering a home upset over 19th-ranked Wisconsin in prime time. Wazoo got this one done by pairing their hard-nosed, opportunistic defense with a competent and balanced passing attack masterminded by new OC Ben Arbuckle. The Cougs came up with three major takeaways, including a scoop and score forced by Ron Stone Jr. and recovered by Brennan Jackson to give Wazoo a 24-6 lead late in the first half. But the offense also went nearly toe-to-toe with the Badgers in total yardage, spreading the ball out to a committee of 10 pass catchers, but without a single receiver breaking out for over 60 yards on their own. Avery, you were locked into this one. What were your reactions from what we saw in Pullman? I feel like I aged 10 years during that fucking game. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, I watched every second of this game. Like, I definitely was very focused on this. And I I don't regret it, but there was definitely the entire first quarter where I was physically, I mean, third quarter, I was physically unwell. Um, This defense is good. This I think this defense is real. I don't know a lot about Wisconsin, but people have told me that they're supposed to be better. They have Tanner Mordecai now at quarterback, the SMU transfer, and he's like actually very good. He has a great deep ball. It was incredibly infuriating, like white guy cannon. I hated it so much. Um, and he can <laughs> he can move around. So I was really impressed by this defense. I think it might be the best defense in the Pac-12. Like it's pretty early. It's only week two, but they definitely played like it. And it was a bigger test than 
the other good defenses have had. Like Oregon State, we haven't seen much from. But yeah, the defense was excellent. Ron Stone was amazing. Um, the announcers, I think, only knew Ron Stone's name because they said it on every fucking defensive play. Like the name dropping was unreal. If it was a drinking game, I would have been absolutely plastered by the end of that. Um, <laughs> the offense is really well coached. I really like Ben Arbuckle. I, he was really creative with like the lack of tools he had. They just don't have like the playmakers on their team. Cam Ward. We, we know what Cam Ward is like. He, he's a talented guy. He makes a lot of mistakes. Um, he, he runs backwards like a lot and takes a lot of sacks like in the deep backfield and it's infuriating, but Ben Arbuckle's offense was like creative enough to keep them in this game when their defense was keeping them in this game. The third quarter, it was bad. It was really bad. I, I think they forgot how to play football during halftime, but they figured it out after Wisconsin caught up with them and were able to capitalize off of those turnovers and win this one. Uh, the environment seemed crazy. I wish I was there. It looked like a lot of fun. Yeah. My takeaways were just like this defense looked like it was last year, which is all we could have expected. It was really good last year. They came back. They looked the same. But the offense last year at times was a negative EPA per play unit. Like they looked like fucking Nebraska's offense looked on Saturday at times last season because the offensive line was so bad. And still... The offensive line isn't great, but Arbuckle has found a way to at least make the offense a positive for Wazoo and at least make it so that they can convert on some of these in some of these situations and take advantage of turnovers and just let the defense take control of the game. Uh, I thought, yeah, what you said was totally true. Like my big question about Wazoo was who are their playmakers? They lost so many key receivers from last season. And the recipe this, you know, on Saturday was just to spread it around to everyone evenly, pretty much. And, uh, you know, be balanced. Cam Ward sometimes has to take off with his legs. Sometimes that's a bit feast or famine and can go the wrong way. But it worked out. And honestly, I mean, I thought this was a more impressive performance overall than what they did even last year traveling to Wisconsin. Yeah, I am uh, deeply impressed by what Wisconsin, uh, Washington State did. I could not really watch this game. Don't go to games, kids. Going to games is super boring and dumb and stupid. Uh, I went to the UCLA San Diego State game with my family. It was fun. With my wife, it was great. But nothing is better than being on your couch and watching six games at a time. Uh, so I, I missed a, a massive chunk of this game. Did try to catch up as much as I could through highlights, through you know articles, that sort of stuff. Uh Avery, when you said that all the announcers were talking about was Ron Stone on defense as if that was the only one who knew his name, based on the highlights and the things I was reading, it sounds like he was the most dominant <laughs> yeah, player in this game. He had an amazing game. Uh, it sounds like he took control of this game. I know we're going to talk I know we have to talk about Washington State's offense and that's what re- that's where Reed left us off, but I think it's worth mentioning uh in the highlights that I saw and in the stuff that I read and the little bits of and pieces I saw, Ron Stone took over uh he was a nightmare it is very interesting to watch washington state's pass rush i think i'd love to have a conversation at some point about who has the best pass rush in the pac-12 washington state's up there 
Um, I'd throw UCLA in there. And then after that, I'm sort of, maybe it's Utah. I'm sort of looking. But Washington State is absolutely up there. Uh, Ron Stone was a fucking nightmare from everything that I saw. Half the highlights I watched were of Ron Stone and the commentators talking about how absolutely absurd Ron Stone was playing. So great for uh, him. Great for Washington State. Offensively, um, I am super wrong about Washington State's offense. I I thought they were going to go... I thought they were going to tank. Um, Cam Ward, I I do think that last week he didn't look all that good. This week, though, from everything that I've seen and read and watched as much as I possibly could, it looks like he took a huge step in the right direction. Um, it, it it sounds like he's being put in some really advantageous positions. It sounds like Ben Ar- Arbuckle, to your point, Reed, is doing some stuff to maybe mitigate some of the offensive line talent. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I was sort of tracking this game and watching it on, on the side, uh, and Washington state, I don't know. Did they ever trail in this game? They were up by double scores by two scores or more for the vast majority of it ended the game 31 to 22. Uh, they, their offensive metrics look good. They were, you know, 66th uh, percentile and success rate, 56th percentile in EPA per play, uh, 58th percentile and explosive play rate, which is sort of surprising considering, you know, it's a lot of dinking and dunking, I think from Cam Ward. Um, but red zone success rate, something they struggled with, I think last year, 85th percentile in this game, uh, they converted on 63% of their red zone attempts. So, Good stuff, great stuff from Washington State. I think we have to think differently about Washington State. Avery, I'm curious to hear from you. Do you feel like, I mean, they're, they're, I think we know they're going to be pretty decent. Are they like Pac 12 title contenders, dark horses? Like, what would you say right now? Last year, Washington State hurt me like bad because preseason, yeah. I was super high on Washington State. Like, I definitely thought they were Pac 12 contenders last year. And then that Oregon game just like ruined my life. So, going into this year, <laughs> I was like very cautious about them. I don't know, man. The Pac 12 seems very deep. They're, I feel like their offensive tools just aren't strong enough to like get them there considering the like incredible offenses we have in this conference but I definitely think their defense is going to keep them in the conversation very similarly to how Oregon State's defense kept them in it last year I don't think they have the secondary that Oregon State did but I definitely think they have like a very tough defense it's so cheesy but it genuinely felt like this defense did not quit like they were in it the whole time and this was very much the type of game that Washington State loses like I hear it from UW fans and Washington State fans all the time about Washington State cooging it. Like, this felt like they were going to cook it. Like, it was textbook Washington State losing this very stupidly at the end there when Wisconsin had the ball and they were only down two points. But, like, their defense got it done. They got that turnover at the exact same time as the Oregon turnover, which was, like, very weird (laughs) watching them both at the same time. But, yeah, I, I feel like I can't count them out of the conversation I, I have not done the deep dive into their schedule because I didn't think they would like be there, <laughs> but I feel like they have a, a shot at it because their defense is very solid. What about you, Reed? Do you feel like, I don't know, you, you feel like uh, Washington State is a dark horse? Would you put them in the dark horse category? You feel like you need to see more from them? They've got a big win against Wisconsin. It looked awesome against Colorado State. So what, what are your initial impressions about them in the broader scheme of the Pac-12? I think one big thing of note that, you know, we haven't really been talking about enough is the fact that they miss USC and Utah from the South in terms of their draw. 
So right there, those are two games that you would assume might be losses that they don't have to have. Uh, You know, looking at this team preseason, I thought that there was a path here because last year, all we talked about over and over again was Washington State won the games that they should and lost the games that they should. Um, And I felt like going into this year, I was skeptical of improvement because of the loss of weapons on the offense. But with how they've showed up in these first two weeks, I think there's a real path here to get through the rest of this, you know, slate and reach maybe seven, eight, even nine wins. I don't know that that's going to be enough to get them in the conference title conversation because I still think that with their offense, they're going to struggle to level up to compete on the road against Washington and Oregon. Um, But a lot of the other games are, are right there. I mean, even like, you know, this Oregon State game in two weeks, obviously a big test. I mean, Oregon State looks like a juggernaut right now, first of all. But later games and you look at you know the middle of the pack like that Colorado game I think that just to give a little preview of the next segment like what Colorado had happened against Nebraska kind of being you know stopped by their defense at times but then being smart enough and more disciplined to push through I think Washington State has the defense to kind of limit a Colorado uh, but I think that they're smart enough and their offense looks like they can execute well enough that they can win those games against a lot of the middle of the pack teams yeah they have that early bye which kind of sucks but at least it's before the ucla game ucla looks really good um they get arizona before oregon i can't imagine arizona at home is going to be too much of a test for them i'm not super impressed by arizona and then they get arizona state stanford and cal all right in a row and to me that feels like another bye week (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think that's super tough. They get Colorado at home on a Friday. Like that's very advantageous scheduling for them. Like obviously at Washington's going to be tough. At Oregon's going to be tough. But like, yeah, they could be an eight and four, nine and three team. Yeah, I I uh, I mean, I think this this I hear your point, Avery, about Washington State hurting you last year. They look better in these two games than they did in the first two games last year uh they just they they look better they beat wisconsin by more they looked more impressive again from what i've seen looked more impressive and and frankly the washington state wisconsin game last year i think was a little like they were hanging on by you know the skin of their teeth or whatever the hell that's the saying is it felt like a very lucky win yeah yeah i wouldn't say i wouldn't go as far to say lucky but I would go as far as to say it was close and could have gone either way. This was a two-score game in Washington's favor for the vast majority of it. Um, and it ended up being a two-score game. It wasn't just a two-score game. They It was a tight game throughout. And then they like managed to score at the end to finally put it away in the final minute or two minutes. They were up by two scores the vast majority of this game. Did not trail. I think that is worth noting. Um, I think that's... That is is worth articulating that they look better through their first two games than they did in uh, the first two games last season. I mean, last season, too, they struggled with, uh, you know, what was it, Idaho or one of those teams? It was like a horrible start to their season. It was like Mm -hmm. they they had a one-score game against, like, an FCS school, I think. Um, Beat the shit out of Colorado State and then took care of Wisconsin, like, pretty pretty handily, all things considered. So I – I, I guess I'm, you know, I, I don't know what to do with Washington State. Reed, you pointed it out. Their first non-conference game 
is going to uh, be Oregon State, and that is a massive test for both teams. I am almost sad it comes so early in the season because last year it kind of came late, and we were like, all right, Oregon State are in this, and Washington State are in this next tier of teams. They're the ones who are beating the teams. They absolutely should. They're not losing to any teams. They shouldn't. That was that ended up being true for the remainder of the season, but then they go and play one another, and we're like, all right, which one, which one of these teams is for real? And Oregon State ends up beating the shit out of Washington State. We're going to get a very similar situation this year, except it's going to be much earlier on. That's gonna, that game is going to have consequences. We're not going to realize it for three or four weeks, and at the end of the season, we're going to be like, oh, that game actually told us a lot. That's how I'm going to feel about it. Reed, you had something to contribute to uh, about Washington State. I also, just in thinking about this offense, obviously we have super limited sample size, but I think it's a fair question to ask, You know, are the defenses that they're playing in the Pac-12 going to be more similar to Colorado State or to Wisconsin? Probably Colorado State. And in that respect, like they hung 50 on Colorado State. So maybe this is actually an offense that against some worse defenses like in Arizona, like, you know, Stanford, like Colorado, um, they could actually be scoring into the 40s. And, you know, that that puts them right there. And with their defense, I will bet on them a lot of the time in those games if that's actually what they can do on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Uh, Jake Dickard had some really interesting comments right after the game. Kind of, I mean, straight to ESPN. I think it's a bit ironic that he said this to ESPN. But let's play those. It was a post-game press conference. Let's see what he had to say. Can you all hear that? No. All right, fuck it. Anyway, he said, (laughs) Avery, you want to recap what he said? Uh, Basically, he said that they deserve to be a Power 5 team. That they played their asses off. And they deserve to be there. I think that's what he said, right? Those yes. the gist of it. Yes, that's right. That's um, right. I, around this game, and I think around Oregon State's games, like for the rest of the season, it's going to be conversations about realignment and them being the last two teams in the Pac-12 and like left behind and if they deserve to be in the Power Five. And I think the way that Oregon State and Washington State, if you weren't already convinced, I personally have been convinced that they deserve to be a Power Five, have proven that these teams are good enough to play power five schedules and should be considered power five teams um pat chun washington state's athletic director was on the sideline for this game and they were like straight up asking him what um washington state's plan was and uh, it's very vague obviously but he kept saying we're we want legal clarity on the situation and it genuinely sounds like oregon state and washington state are trying this pack two thing where they seize control of the conference since everybody else is leaving um i'm really interested to see that but how this game affects realignment like we knew this was a huge test to prove themselves like this this is huge this is a huge game for wazoo this shows they deserve to be there and as someone who during this game was thinking about Ben Arbuckle, their offensive coordinator and how like good he is, even though he's like 27 years old. Like my immediate reaction was, dang, he's going to get poached because that's what happens to talented offensive coordinators that go to lower power five teams. But if we hit the situation where Oregon state and Wazoo like keep the conference together just the two of them for the next two seasons like that could keep a talented offensive coordinator like Ben Arbuckle around and that would be very good for the trajectory of the program overall yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I the realignment stuff is super sad. And, and to the greatest extent that I can, I'm going to try to ignore it while we talk about football just because we've got some great teams and Washington State is a great team. I think I'm pissed off on Jake Dickert's behalf. I'm pissed off on everyone's behalf. But, like, look at – I want you to, like, watch. Just go and check it out. I wasn't able to play the video. Uh, I'll have to figure that out next time. But just go watch that Jake Dickert post-game press conference – post-game uh, interview on on TV, on ESPN. Look at that environment and look at Jake Dickert's excitement and look at, like, what that did for Washington State. And I want you to think about, like, ESPN does not give a fuck about that. They don't give a fuck about highlighting what Washington State does. They don't give a fuck about highlighting what Jake Dickert has to say. They don't give a shit about how monumentous of a moment this was for Washington State. First Power 5 non-conference opponent since 1998, 25 years. ESPN does not give a fuck about that. That's not something they care about. So when you, when everyone is out there talking about, ah, well, we didn't want to get left out of college football, blah, 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 blah. One, your team probably wasn't going to get it left out. Two, um, is this like watching Washington State do this? Is that is that worth leaving out for you so that maybe you get a bit more money? Maybe your school gets a bit more money that you don't see. It's it's absurd. It's nonsense. Um, any other thoughts about Washington State, Wisconsin? Before we move on here, I I genuinely was not super excited for Washington State this season. They were one of the teams where I was like, yeah, I'll watch their games because I watch everyone's games. But now I am. Now I'm like reinvigorated. And I'm very excited to watch them the rest of the season, which is always a good feeling to have. I thought they were. I thought they were going to. The bottom was a fallout. Truly, I thought last season ended <laughs> what, in such a horrible way. What was your way. preseason record for them? I think it was like three and nine or something. <laughs> four and eight. That's yeah, it was crazy. bad. It was bad. It's that's not happening now. They look. They look really good. They. I man, this league is so stacked. All right. Well, let's get let, on. To, let me just say real quick. Preseason across the board, we had Carlos had Wazoo twelfth. Avery and Greg and Matt had them ninth, and I had them tenth. I think I had so, them I mean, seven and five, though, didn't I? We were haters, <laughs> like we were straight up Wazoo haters, and yeah, I mean, uh, like I, I thought maybe there was a world, but they've really blown my expectations out of the water with this one. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. All right, well, let's move on to talk about the next big outcome here from from the week, Colorado. Smoked Nebraska in Boulder, 36-14. to 14. The Buffs offense started slow in this one, but figured some stuff out in the second half, accumulating 454 total yards, 393 of those coming through the air at the hands of Shadur Sanders. Uh, this is a big game for receiver Xavier Weaver, uh, the grad transfer from South Florida. He had 10 catches for 170 yards and a touchdown. Defensively, Colorado held Nebraska to just seven real points. The other seven points that they scored came in garbage time when that game was well in hand. Uh, but, you know, probably defense probably had a few mishaps in this one um, either way. In the end, though, Colorado prevailed and beat the Cornhuskers handily in Boulder. Reed, let's start with you. Any reactions to Colorado's win in Boulder on Saturday morning? The biggest context I look at in this game is the rushing stats. Colorado rushed for 58 yards, 1.8 yards per rush, and Nebraska ru- rushed for 222 yards at 5.4 yards per carry and Colorado fucking dominated them despite that. <laughs> it is absurd. It makes no sense. Like if you screen grab those rushing stats and you go back to like how old people talk about football and ultimately it comes down to establishing the run and yada 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 like Colorado got dominated in that aspect and yet on the scoreboard they 
absolutely blew Nebraska out of the water. And the one reason why that was true is because they were vastly better coached. Like the better coaching staff by miles was Colorado. They were more well-disciplined. They were more inventive in pass play calling and got more explosive plays and just like beat Nebraska into submission through all the little things that weren't getting a physical advantage at the point of attack. That was crazy to me. And I can't believe that we're sitting here talking about Colorado again, blowing a, you know, a point spread projection out of the water by 20 points. Like I'm, I'm just amazed that this is actually what Dion has delivered in the first two weeks. The craziest things about the rushing stat is in the third quarter, they had 20 rushing yards and Dylan Edwards had that 34 yard run. So he like (laughs) doubled their stats in the third quarter. It was 20 yards for a long time. Absolutely insane. Uh, Reed wanted to change his pick to Nebraska before this game. I feel like I need to put that out there. Reed and Matt, they they considered it. I was too lazy to change it. I regret that now. I should have done it. That would have been very funny. Um, God, Colorado is so fun to watch. Deion, I feel like Deion Sanders is like reinventing football right now <laughs> before my eyes. Like I, I didn't know I could experience shock after like what I saw from them last week, but holy shit, it was incredible. Um, and Xavier Weaver was very good in that game. He, it's it's fun. I know like Travis Hunter is was the talk of last week, and I was really concerned because that's a lot of snaps. I, I think he got a hundred snaps again this week, over ninety, definitely. Um, but it's nice to see someone other than Horn, someone other than Hunter, like breaking out for passing yards because I just don't think Hunter can maintain that many snaps for the rest of the season. Yeah, it was. I I really uh. I, it was it was interesting watching this game, like in the first half, maybe two and a, maybe two and a half quarters, and Colorado's offense struggled. I, they had a hard time getting much of anything going. Nebraska's secondary, I think, did a fantastic job with Colorado's receivers. Uh, they kept Shadur Sanders in the pocket for a very long time. It felt like, and he had a hard time finding anyone. Eventually, they were able to break some stuff through, uh, able uh, able to tire out Nebraska, but uh, defense, but. I was really impressed that Colorado was hanging in it. I think, I don't know, like a mentally weak team, an undisciplined team, a team that doesn't have the wherewithal and the stamina and the emotional and mental toughness uh, that Colorado does, they would have folded, right? Like you have this insane 45-point blow-up uh, last week. You play, you you beat TCU. The country is talking about you. The country has been talking about you for like eight months now. You finally put it together. You tell everyone, fuck you. We told you we were here. And then to come into this Nebraska game and it's like, oh, shit, things are faltering. What's happening? Sure, Sanders did not look, did not look horrible, but it was definitely a situation where it's like that offensive line starting. The cracks are starting to show what is going to happen. I was genuinely scared early in that game. Is this going to turn into a landslide for Nebraska or is Colorado going to try to figure some stuff out? To Colorado's credit, Shadur Sanders did not make very many mistakes in this game. Again, this is now the second game in a row where Shadur Sanders, with the exception of like a sack here or there, maybe a throw here and there, like clean game, did not make a mistake, did not throw any turnover-worthy throws, um, did not force anything. Felt like when he took sacks, the majority, he took a lot of sacks, the majority of sacks he took 
were sort of cover stacks. And he was like, all right, I, I'm not going to try to do too much with this. I think we've seen it with young quarterbacks all of the time, constantly just going to try to make something out of nothing. And it turns into a big negative play. Shadur Sanders did not do that. They stuck with it. Sean Lewis made some adjustments and they were in a position to blow Nebraska out. I thought that was really impressive. Defensively, Colorado has, look, it's not a great defense, but it's not a horrible one either. Um, Nebraska, obviously, I think a bad offensive team. Um, I forgot the quarterback's name. Jeff um, Sims. Jeff Sims. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. It was not good. A, not a good performance from Jeff Sims. I do, not, uh, I do not know what he's normally capable of. Had a few moments later in the game to redeem himself a little bit, but did not look good. At the same time, I don't know. Nebraska had a bunch of rushing yards and was and was pounding Colorado on the ground game. Colorado's run defense was actually pretty good for the vast majority of this game. I think they got worn down a little bit, but the first two and a half quarters, deeply impressive run defense from Colorado. I was, I was really surprised. And I think, I don't know, given all the complaints about their size and their defensive linemen being small and their DBs being small and their linebackers being small, they, they got to the ball really quick and made – pretty solid tackles. I think their tackling was great. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think Colorado has like an okay defense, but their offense kicks ass and it sort of broke through. And I think that is a recipe that makes me want to reevaluate Colorado, even from last week, really, honestly. Their so. defense is better than Stanford's. That I is feel true. confident saying that. <laughs> Reed, what were you going to say? Just to underline kind of your points about that difference between the first and second half. In the first half, there were only 10 points scored. It was on uh, a fumble recovery that Colorado started at the Nebraska 13, and they only got a field goal out of it, 13 yards from the end zone, and then a one-play touchdown drive from the Nebraska 30, uh, where Shadur Sanders just hit a pass, and they immediately scored after an interception. So their their offense did nothing in the first half besides kind of take advantage of two Nebraska turnovers. But then in the second half, they came out and they scored on four of five possessions to start the second half. And a lot of those were, you know, long 10 play, eight play, nine play drives to score. And that was so impressive to I don't know what they figured out or you know I didn't like pour over the film or whatever but clearly something clicked they found a way to get their athletes in better space in the second half and consistently beat a pretty good Nebraska defense I think well the offense is horrific it appeared for Nebraska the defense is pretty good I think it's it would be up there with most of the defenses in the Pac-12 potentially maybe not the top top rung but it is above average in the Pac-12, probably. Yeah. No, that's right. Um, and, and some other numbers here that I think are pretty interesting. Colorado had uh, generated nine tackles for a loss, two in the pass, two on passing plays, and seven on rushing plays. I, I think that's pretty good. I got to go back and look at some of the rates and what the average is. That's pretty impressive. Um, Nebraska's offensive metrics look horrific. Ninth percentile in the EP play. Ninth percentile. The bottom 10% of all college football games bad. played. Nebraska is is right there in terms of uh, offense. 19th percentile in success rate. Uh, Thirty. I mean, ninth percentile in EPA per rush. Uh, it, I mean, not good stuff for Nebraska. But Colorado, I, I think, it is a deeply impressive team. We can talk about them really quick. Uh 
are they a dark horse Pac-12 title contender? Are they not a dark, are they just a straight up Pac-12 title contender? Do we feel differently about Colorado? Are we ready to reevaluate them? Avery, what what are you thinking? I, I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready yet. Maybe I'm just, um, maybe I'm just rejecting the new era of football that we're entering. I don't know. I'm kind of scared for Colorado. Like I, I don't know what they'll do against a good, a good, I don't know what they'll do against a good offense and they're going to play some good offenses. TCU literally hung 42. I like, is that not, does that not count? I think that like there's better offenses in the PAC 12 than TCU. (laughs) Like they have to play USC. I think that Oregon state's, I think Oregon State's yeah. offense is better than TCU's. It's brutally efficient. It is brutally efficient. I think efficient, UCLA's yeah. offense is better than TCU's. Like, I don't know if they're going to be able to get the wins to be title contenders, but I feel like extremely confident that they will be bowl eligible, which I did not feel before. Like, I can say seven and five right now, confident. So I don't know. I don't know why we can say Washington State is a contender. We can't say Colorado is. Like de- I, because I, de- I just have a little bit more trust in good defenses. <laughs> that's the you, you that's can't take the Utah out of the girl. Cannot take the Utah out of the girl. I'll admit that. <laughs> Reed, Reed, what do you think? It's time. Is it time to reevaluate Colorado? I do think ultimately they're gonna have to be able to get some push in some of these games and. The idea of facing some of the more complete teams in Oregon State, a USC in Oregon, like those those worry me about them being able to to actually like in a game where we're pretty sure that they're gonna lose the rushing attack numbers, but they're gonna play a team that's more competent, that can actually get explosive plays, that doesn't have a quarterback that will just turn the ball over on command. I don't know that they're going to be able to win those games. But to Avery's point, like, again, you know, their win total was three and a half. And now they're going to get to three next week, probably, with game day against Colorado State. And against teams like Arizona State and Stanford, like, I have them as double-digit favorites probably right now, which is crazy to say. But... They play Oregon and USC, uh, you know, in 14 days and 21 days from now. Like, those games are coming up fast, and it will be huge tests to see whether they're a legit top 15 team or whether they're just, you know, a pretty good team and a fun story. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I'm... I, I don't know why we wouldn't reevaluate them as, as being contenders. They have... Their offense, I think, is, I don't know, oh, God, there's some great offenses in the Pac-12. It's top half in the Pac-12 for sure. Their quarterback, somewhere between number two and number four in the Pac-12, he's right in the mix with Bo Nix and Michael Penix. I think when we talked about having tiers of quarterbacks, it was like Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Bo Nix. Shadur Sanders is in that tier now. Like I think there's an argument to be made that he's better than one of Michael Penix or Bo Nix or both, right? Like I... I think he was fantastic defensively. I mean, I just feel like the fact that they beat Nebraska in this kind of game after beating TCU in the kind of game that was, it's it's pretty adaptable, I've got to say. Like, I think that is surprisingly adaptable. And with all of the, like, I almost think it was harder for Colorado to be at home because it was, like, so much pressure and hype. Like, that place was insane. There's a lot of Nebraska with, fans there, too. And there was a lot of Nebraska fans there. It was a rivalry game. There was an absurd amount of 
I don't know, energy there. Anxious, but also excited. Like, I I, I was so impressed with this game that I'm just like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think they could. They they could compete. Like, I, I don't know why they couldn't win. They, I, they've got a tough schedule, but I, I think it's possible for them to, you know, get to eight or nine wins, which probably puts you in the conversation. We can pull it up. They've got to play. Um, they've already beaten TCU and Nebraska, which were two of the toughest games on their schedule uh, by a good margin. They'll beat Colorado State at Oregon. Super interesting to me. We'll talk about Oregon. I, that game suddenly as like an opener for a conference opener looks absurdly intriguing at home against USC. Another absurdly intriguing game. I think they probably lose that one. Then it's Arizona state Stanford at UCLA going to be an interesting one home against Oregon state will be hard. And then Arizona and then Washington state. I don't know. I mean, the PAC 12 is just so fucking good that like every single team schedule is going to look like a gauntlet, but I don't know if they're, I think they could break into the tier of contenders. I'm going to say something that Greg would say really quick. I will, I will not count them out as contenders, but I'm not going to confidently say they are contenders. <laughs> that is where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, maybe I'm a dumbass for betting against Colorado again, but my line is I think you need two losses or less to compete for the conference. And with this schedule, I just don't yeah. see that. Yeah. Yeah. Oregon, USC, UCLA, Oregon State, Washington State. Didn't look like a tough draw at the time, but that is a tough draw. Yeah, at Washington <laughs> State, that's that's just ass. That sucks so bad. Yeah. yeah. And they play Utah in Salt Lake, which mm-hmm. is different, as we know. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> as sorry. We know yeah, well. that, doesn't, that doesn't count. Let's, let's <laughs> move on there, then, to talk about some ugly road wins. That's our recap of Colorado and Nebraska. Fun team, fun game. I'm really curious to see what they do. So we'll talk about Oregon and Utah and their ugly road wins. We'll talk about USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon State. We'll talk about the rest of the slate. But first, let's take a uh, quick break. Hey, besties. You already know that my favorite thing about the Pac-12 are its weird traditions and wacky vibes. And Homefield Apparel does an incredible job of creating gear that encompasses the strange histories of the Pac-12 conference. For example, this UW Sun Dodgers t-shirt. If you have never seen this logo before, I don't blame you because this was only UW's mascot for less than two years in the early 1920s. Nobody knew what a Sun Dodger was, so they ended up voting to get rid of it. But in the short time they did have it they went with sunny boy here with a little umbrella i love wearing the shirt i think it confuses everyone around me they have tons of amazing interesting and unique throwbacks for 11 of the 12 pack 12 schools and you can get all of that and more at homefieldapparel.com you will not regret it literally ask anyone that owns a home field shirt they will tell you how soft it is it is truly amazing i don't know how they do it but the quality I don't take them off. I live in these. They're incredible. Get a home field shirt. Bye. All right. Let's move on to talk about some ugly road wins. Reed, how about you recap a couple of Pac-12 games for us between Oregon and Utah? A pair of preseason conference favorites were pushed to their limits in road trips to Texas. It started in the 9 a.m. slate where a Cam Risingless Utah failed to score a touchdown against Baylor for the first 58 minutes of regulation. They seemed destined for another non-conference dud before Nate Johnson re-energized the offense for a tying score in the final minutes, and then a Cole Bishop interception set Utah up for the game-winning score. Meanwhile, in Lubbock, the Ducks locked themselves 
locked themselves into an ugly fight with Texas Tech that was eerily similar to last year's trip to Washington State. Penalties and Tyler Shuck keepers dug Oregon into a 27-18 to hole heading into the fourth quarter as the Ducks struggled to establish their interior run game or get Texas Tech's offense off the field. Down the stretch, Bo Nix and company came up big when needed on three long scoring drives, and the defense, led by my savior, Brandon Dorless, made the necessary plays to survive. Carlos, we can start with you. Which performance was more damaging to your perception of these teams? Oh, my God. Watching these games was like they were very different games. Utah Baylor was so fucking ugly, and Oregon, Oregon Texas Tech was not as ugly. A lot of fun and kind of crazy and weird. But man, I both of these games were just like I, I, I don't I put it made me put U, Oregon and Utah in a in a different tier. I think my perception was more damaged by Utah. Number one, because I was extremely right about Road Utah. Utah should have lost this game. Utah was down by double digits for a good mar good chunk of this game. Should have lost it. Um their offense is absolutely brutal. I think what is very clear to me is like they need a 100% camerizing, 100% healthy camerizing, or that offense is fucked. I disagree. It is, uh, okay. I think it's bad. I think it's horrendous. I thought their offensive line, again, did not look good. And I was told by Greg and Matt, and I know they're, this is why they're ducking the smoke, that Baylor's lines were so fucking horrible that, it was, that they were going to get destroyed on the lines, that Utah was going to throttle them because Baylor's lines were so bad. Well, if that's true and they've decided to hold their priors, what does that say about Utah's lines that they struggled with them? Not just struggled, but like looked like they were going to get flat out beat by Baylor's lines. It was not good. It was a horrendous performance. Uh, Jaquin and Jackson had a great game. But it felt like the va- like ninety percent of his yards were like after contact. Like he was working like hell for those yards. They were really really hard yards for him. Um, and the quarterback situation. I'm really curious to see what happens with uh, Nate Johnson. And you know, I I, I sort of think that Nate Johnson is feels like a better option than a one hundred than an eighty percent cam rising, not a one hundred percent cam rising, but like an eighty percent healthy cam rising. Probably rather have Nate Johnson. He was really he was really dynamic. Um, but like, this isn't a Charlie Brewer cam rising situation because cam rising is the starter. They're not going to not start cam rising, right? As soon as he's ready to go, Nate Johnson goes back to the bench. That's, that's the difference here between this time and 2021 when Kyle Whittingham started Charlie Brewer over, um, over cam rising. So I think it's, uh, I think that is concerning defensively. Oregon, I mean, Utah did not look great. Um, I, I, they were getting, again, their lines were dominated. And Utah's defensive line was supposed to be a big strength for them. Uh, it was supposed to be a problem. They were supposed to dominate Baylor's offensive line. That didn't really happen this game. Uh, I, I, I'm concerned about or- stuff with Oregon, too. But I just feel like Utah had a lot more that I was like, what the hell is going on here? They really, they, they... <laughs> Boy, they got, uh, I don't want to say lucky, but man, they were very fortunate to get a few timely uh, turnovers in that game to to manage to pull it out and even cover the spread, which is nuts. Should should have lost this game by two touchdowns. Um, Grapes, you were going to say something. Okay, about Utah, 
it does not change my perception because this is what I thought Utah was. Like, I agree they're ass on the road. My thing about Utah is I cannot, like, put into words how fucking dumb Utah's coaching staff is and how apparent it is to everybody except Utah's coaching staff. Like, surrounding the quarterback decision, obviously, most people probably aren't paying attention because it's Utah. But as someone, like, that follows a lot of Utah fans and has been close to the program like it has been so embarrassingly obvious that nate johnson should have gotten the start over bryson barnes and this entire game bryson barnes was asked like i feel bad for the kid he should not be forced into these situations i'm glad he's on scholarship but like he was genuinely so fucking bad so bad and anytime that nate johnson would go in the game he was used as a wildcat quarterback they just had him run up the middle it got stopped every time because Baylor knew that's what Utah was scheming for him. It was like incredibly obvious. It feels like 14-year-old Avery was drawing up the plays out there. Like it was genuinely pathetic. I it was so obvious that Bryson Barnes should have been benched. And finally, at the end of the game, they bench Bryson Barnes at the end of the fourth quarter and put Nate, Nate Johnson in. And that's when they score. That's when they get the touchdown. Like, he didn't hit all of his throws perfectly, but he led the drive down the field that ended in them being on top and taking this game away. Like, it was so clear that he should have been the starter, and their offense looked so much better with him in the game. Like, I'm not going to say that they're an elite offense with Nate Johnson, but I do think that their offense can be something with Nate Johnson, whereas with Bryson Barnes... there's no point. Like they started Bryson Barnes because they said he had experience. He was less likely to make mistakes. The experience isn't doing shit for him anymore. So there's like no reason to start him. So going into next week, they're playing Weber State, which is an FCS team. They're always okay. Like I, I'm sure Utah will win. But if Bryson Barnes trots out there next week, like I don't think I'll watch another Utah game this season because there's absolutely no reason for him to continue being the backup quarterback after what Nate Johnson showed in this game. I I guess I'm just of the opinion that it doesn't matter if if Cam Rising is going to play. It's like Nate Johnson is uh is, is not going to be the quarterback anymore. Yeah, after, as soon I as agree. Cam Rising steps on the field, I that's agree. The thing. They're going to bench Nate Johnson for Cam Rising every time, which I think might be the wrong choice if he's still battling injury. Yeah. But they continue to make the wrong choice at quarterback at every fucking opportunity. Like. It feels like I'm on, I'm like being punked. I feel like there's cameras around me, like waiting for my reaction because like, how can they, it has to be racism or pride at this point. Like, I think they just decided to go with Bryson Barnes and they are too prideful to say, oh, we were wrong. We're going to force it to work. It's, it's infuriating. Yeah. Reed, what were you going to say? Well, I, I definitely don't agree that they should play Nate Johnson over Cam Rising because I, I think Cam Rising I mean, with what he's done the past two years, it's his job. But I will say, still, on this game, I mean, I completely agree. Nate Johnson threw seven passes the entire game. Five of them came on the drive to tie it with two minutes left. Like, he threw two passes for the entire rest of this game when this offense could not get close to scoring a touchdown. I don't understand why they would not just try that earlier and it completely screwed them to the point that like Carlos said they absolutely should have lost this game if you didn't watch it they absolutely should have lost this game I thought they were done for because this offense had no hopes and finally they switched things up and went to Nate Johnson and 
barely it worked at the last possible moment. I think the issues are with Keithy down, this team doesn't have any good receivers. No one on this team is a dynamic pass catcher without Keithy, truly. Mikey Matthews looked all right, but otherwise, Vele, Parks, yeah, they're okay, but they're not they're not able to just win a game like this for you in the way that you need and create that mismatch. That said, Jaquin and Jackson was awesome. I mean, so much of Utah's hopes were pinned on him preseason. And I think if Rising gets back healthy, if this defense settles in and Jaquin and Jackson actually can be this tier one Pac-12 running back that he looked like on Saturday, you know, Utah's going to be hanging around winning games in Salt Lake and we'll see how things break. Uh, you know, they'll be in a position probably, uh, you know, to be competitive down the stretch. And if the other teams implode like they did last year, maybe they'll be a hat in the ring and, and could still come out with this thing. But it was ugly on on Saturday. Yeah, Utah has a knack for putting some stuff together late and figuring some stuff out. Um, and, and so they, they do do that. These non-conference games are absurdly ugly for them pretty regularly, especially now. I feel like, I don't know if this is always the case, but definitely in recent years, it feels like this has been a problem. Um, they, they just have, they've got a lot of stuff to figure out. They've got some injuries. They, they were also, you know, they're, they're down a few guys. Um, their depth is kind of hurting right now because of some, some injuries. And so we'll see how that plays out when they start picking up some health, but you know, I don't know. I guess I'm. Uh, I, I don't think by any means Utah is fucked. I, I don't think that they are absolutely going to finish bottom half of Pac-12 or go seven and five. Like I think they could absolutely have a very good season. But they, they like some other teams, have some stuff to figure out. Um, it's not if they kept going the way they're going. I think, I think Utah would have a bad time. I assume they'll figure some stuff out. If there's any team in the Pac-12 who you can sort of count on to say, all right, they're gonna fix this thing. It's Utah. Um, they've been the only team really over the past few years who have done it, uh, who have started horribly and uh, figured some stuff out. So I think the staff um, is too old to make decisions and they need to be sent to retirement <laughs> homes. Like, this is disgusting. <laughs> Avery, what about you? Which, which Between Oregon and Utah, uh, we talked a little bit about Utah. Are you, do you agree that it's, uh, that it's Utah or you got another pick here for this? That Who had a, who, who had a more damaged perception? I think I feel worse about Oregon. I didn't feel good about Utah. Like I was very skeptical about Utah. So like it didn't really change anything. I won't say I feel like worse about Oregon by a lot. Um, I do think their defense is uh, poo poo pee pee. It's so fucking bad. Um, can I read what I have chosen for the No Truck Stops tweet of the link tweet of the week? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know we had this again. But yes, yes absolutely. I decided to add one. Um, this made me laugh. <laughs> Oregon just played against the toughest defense they'll play all year, and despite penalties, they held up pretty well against the Tech offense. A couple of trick plays got them, but for the most part, defensive backs were in position. Biggest concerns moving forward are inside offensive line and linebackers. Um, I do not think that Texas Tech is the best defense <laughs> that Oregon will play this year. Not even close. That was not fucking, even close. That's crazy to say that about like any Big 12 defense. Like... I know a lot of people just don't watch games outside their own, but as someone that does watch games outside their own, like Oregon's in for a lot of hurt just in the Pac-12 North. Like they have to play Oregon State and Wazoo. Those teams both have way better defenses than Texas Tech. Um, Yeah, I'm concerned about Oregon's defense. 
I wasn't watching. I didn't have this game on the number one screen. Like I was very locked into Wazoo, but from what I saw, it was very concerning. Um, they got that big turnover at the end of the game, which obviously was huge. But outside of that, I just feel like Texas Tech hung in a game they shouldn't have. Tyler Shuck, um, hate that guy. Revenge game, maybe. Maybe we can chalk it up to that. I don't know. He was extremely annoying back there, and it was kind of funny that Oregon had no answer for that, considering he was like on the team just barely. Yeah. Uh, I, I was also very concerned about Oregon. That secondary is not good. Uh, they had to they they they've had to replace some talent uh, in the defensive backfield, and buddy, they just got uh, it, it, it honestly. UCLA secondary has been bad for several years now. Looking at these two teams and the way they've been playing right now, Oregon's secondary is worse than UCLA's is right now. Um, it is it is not good. I think they have some stuff they need to figure out back there. It felt like Texas Tech's receivers were either making some incredible catches or just getting or just straight, straight up beating some of Oregon's defensive backs. Um, I was also concerned about Oregon's offensive line. Like, Reed, Bucky Irving disappeared and it's not his fault. That offensive line, yeah. you and James have talked about it on the Quacked Out podcast that the offensive line is being rebuilt. You also said that Oregon was going to have a top 25 defense nationally, which is extremely <laughs> funny now. But the offensive line has a lot of – has gone through a big rebuild, and it's showing. It's not uh, – it did not look good in this game against Texas Tech. But what were you seeing? You were obviously locked into this one. Yeah, I was, I was painfully locked into this game, <laughs> as you might expect. The two big things are, I'll start with the offensive line. I think that's the area that I was frustrated in the offseason. I, I had some faith. I liked the talent on the offensive line. But, man, across the board, Oregon fans were just hand-waving away any concerns about this offensive line. They said, yeah, we're replacing four starters, but a lot of these guys have gotten reps here and there. They're high-profile transfers, whatever. Um, and that was the reason this game was close like fundamentally you know you looked at Oregon for whenever Oregon's been good basically they've had a really good offensive line and if things got tight usually they could hit that button that said let's just get five yards per carry and break an explosive play occasionally and get out of here and they couldn't do that against Texas Tech at all in the second half uh the interior especially I think they're a little banged up and they they just were not up to the standard that Oregon has had recently at offensive line. That is very worrying because that is the calling card for Oregon that I thought differentiated them from other teams was they had that gear where if they needed to, they had a really good run game. Uh, they've had that recently. They did not have that at all yesterday. And, you know, Tech's defense is weird, I think, uh, I don't I fall somewhere in the middle there. I definitely don't think it's like the best defense Oregon will ever play again or in the Pac-12 or whatever. They do have some dudes on the interior of the defensive line that are very good genuinely. Like I do believe that they are a a test that is at that position up to the caliber of almost anyone that they're going to play in the Pac-12. Um and Oregon wasn't ready for that test. It took Bo Nix being super inventive, a couple big scrambles on third and long, key passes. Like It was a grind to get out of this game after trailing late in it. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I was 
you know, again, I mean, I'm a little less worried about this stuff or a little a little less harsh, I guess. I'm worried, but I'm a little less harsh in what we saw about from Oregon last night than you all might be. Um, there were some encouraging moments. I thought that the defensive line showed up at times. They, you know, they put a pass rush together. They got some key stops late, and that was encouraging. I thought the secondary was boomer bust and they busted far too many times at this point in the season maybe that gets cleaned up but it what it wasn't good right now and the linebackers were the biggest worry justin jacobs transferred from iowa was out for this game it's all on his shoulders when he comes back and debuts to improve this unit that's the narrative from oregon fans i don't know that i buy it because this whole second half back end of the defense has a lot of shit to figure out and if you haven't been paying attention, USC and Washington have pretty fucking good passing games. <laughs> They're not exactly the you know other main contenders that you'd want to be facing with what Oregon has right now. So I think you said this kind of in your framing of, of Oregon and Utah, but for me, it comes down to like Oregon has a lot of things to clean up about themselves right now they have to be a better team and if you're ranking these teams right now Oregon cannot be your one based on how they just you know got pushed to the limit at Texas Tech Oregon is is not at that top tier of the Pac-12 right now maybe they could be if they grow throughout the season um but it was it was scary and I'm I'm just glad Oregon survived obviously I, I think, and I'll be gracious the same way that I was gracious with Utah, talking about how they how Utah has tended to figure this stuff out. You uh, and James talked about it uh, on the Quacked Out podcast uh, that this has big Oregon Wazoo 2022 vibes, which is just like dumb, stupid, weird fucking game, and you've, you've just got to feel lucky to get away with a win if you happen to do it. And that's what happened. So Oregon did come away with a win in the Pullman of the big 12, the Pullman of the planes. Um, right. And so that, you know, at some point you're just like, okay, whatever. They're, at least they get away with a win. The, they obviously take probably a hit on the metrics and the analytics. Um, but whatever, uh, they get, they get the win. So I, I think that there is some stuff there and, you know, I don't know. I feel like Oregon's, uh, Oregon's problems, I feel like, are more fixable than Utah's uh, at this point. Obviously, I think, you'd, again, Utah can absolutely fix their issues. Um, but Oregon's problems feel a little bit more fixable than Utah's does. Um, very interesting to think about their secondary. And kind of interesting to think about bad secondaries in the Pac-12 and who you'd rather play and who you wouldn't. If you've got a bad secondary, you know, some teams are going to miss Oregon State. Some of them are going to miss Oregon. I think you'd rather play, I don't know, uh someone else i don't know if you've got a bad secondary you want to play washington state over washington for example um you know things like that so uh yeah i, I guess that hey uh reed were you more uh whose perception hurt was hurt the most by their performance is it oregon or utah probably oregon for me i had oregon okay at one like in the conference going in the preseason was ultimately where i arrived at and I felt like, I mean, Utah, even after the Florida game, like I'd pushed them down to a tier two team kind of, and was had them in the waiting room and they looked a little worse than that, but pretty much whatever. They're not even, they don't care about non-conference really anyways, because they're not making a playoff for Oregon. They, 
you know, you you have to put them behind what UW did against Boise State, as much as it pains me to say that, and and what USC just absolutely obliterated Stanford on Saturday with a bullet. Like Oregon's behind those teams. They're probably behind what Oregon State's been doing so far. So in that respect, it was a it was a hit for Oregon. And, you know, they have Hawaii, they'll they'll get back up and then there'll be that big game against Colorado in two weeks and we'll see if some things are fixed. And eventually the deadline is is when they go to Washington on October fourteenth. That's when things have to be fixed by. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is fair. All right. Well, that's it for our discussion of Oregon and Utah. Let's move on to talk about some dominant wins from some Pac-12 title hopefuls. We'll get through these super quickly. Not a whole lot to talk about, I think. Let's start with USC beating the living shit out of Stanford 56-10. This game was over by halftime. The Trojans went up 49-3 at the half and then took their foot off the gas. Meanwhile, UCLA went to San Diego, beat up on the Aztecs, winning 35-10 behind some 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 disgustingly impressive throws from newly minted sort of kind of starting quarterback Dante Moore. The Bruins went up 28 to 10 at halftime and then just sort of sat on it from there. Meanwhile, Washington took care of Tulsa. They went up 22 to three at halftime, wound up winning by a score of 43 to 10 behind 409 passing yards from Michael Penix to go along with three touchdowns. Receivers Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunze were both brilliant, as always, with a combined 227 receiving yards. And lastly, Oregon State throttled the hell out of FCS, UC Davis 55-7. to UC Davis was actually ranked in the top 20 among all FCS teams, but they did not stand a chance against the Beavs. The Aggies had just 166 total yards of offense to Oregon State's 450, and the Beavs were up 38 to nothing at halftime. So lots of great showings against some lesser teams. Avery, we'll start with you. What what stood out to you as the most impressive from these four games? It could be a player, maybe it's a unit, maybe it's a whole team. Where do you want to where do you want to go here, Avery? I'm not going to lie. I <laughs> was not focused on these games. They were like very <laughs> much in the back of my mind. Um I guess I'll go with USC just because they played another Power 5 opponent, if you care to call Stanford a Power 5 opponent. That was fucking insane. The whole team. I mean, going up, what was it? What was the score? 49-3 to at half on Stanford? That's yeah. just f- fucking insane. I think, Carlos, you tweeted it, that uh, USC was treating Stanford the way that Oregon treated Portland State last week. That's exactly how it was. Like They mandled, manhandled them the way they would an FCS team wild like i know none of us are high on stanford but like that is still a power five program with power five talent that to me is just absolutely bonkers what what's the name of their receiver that went off i mean they had a few but like the the new kid zachariah branch yes holy shit i was watching his um he just had the Sorry, my brain just turned off. I was watching highlights this morning, and Zachariah Branch is just, like, very, very fun to watch. Um, but, yeah, they 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 destroyed Stanford. Like, it was – there was no mercy. They still didn't cover or hit the over, though, which makes me kind of angry. But, oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, USC was fucking terrifying terrifying like i don't know i came into this game being like hey stanford's like might be pretty good like maybe not maybe i won't say pretty good they might be kind of competent their offense looked much better against hawaii they haven't scored 37 points in god knows how long 
Dash and Daniels look pretty good. I don't know. They might give USC a bit of a game. They might hang tough for a little bit until USC kind of overtakes them. You know, you wonder, like, hey, maybe that defense, uh, you know, they've got some players. They'll probably get smoked, but, like, maybe they'll have a few moments here and there. USC, like, fucking snuffed the life out of Stanford in, like, the opening minutes. Like, they were up 14 to nothing early on in the first quarter, and then it just kept coming and coming and coming and coming, and the avalanche kept flowing. It was a, a fucking nightmare to watch if you are anyone who is a, who has to play uh, USC. They look fucking terrifying. The offense looks terrifying. We know that the offense looks terrifying. We know that you should absolutely not kick it to Zachariah Branch. We know that you should absolutely uh, uh, pray for your life when Caleb Williams drops back to pass. Those are all things that are known. But the thing that scared me the most was that the defense looked totally decent like they were roughing up uh whoever was that quarterback for stanford ashton daniels apparently got knocked out of this one uh the the backup was getting pushed around and hit constantly stanford had absolutely nothing going for them offensively and i don't think stanford's like this bad like i kind of don't think that they're going to be bottom of the barrel again i think they'll be okay i think they'll be competitive they'll have probably have a losing record but i think they'll be a tough out sometimes I just think USC uh, is operating at a completely different level right now. That this, compare this game to what happened last year, where they got up to a forty-one to ten lead or something, and then s- slowly kind of let Stanford back. That game ended up finishing forty-one to twenty-eight. This one, they just fucking stepped on them. Uh, it was it was disgusting. I don't know. I I, I think it's I think it's worth worrying about uh, USC here. So they didn't do this last year, like you said. Yeah, that's the big thing. Like. I think people might, if you didn't watch all those games, you might have the perception, oh, yeah, this is what USC was last year. It wasn't. That, you know, Stanford was 41-28, like you said. Arizona, they played 45-37. to Cal, they played 41-35. Yeah, to they played everyone close. Like, they, yeah, their offense was awesome last year, but it wasn't even, it wasn't even as good as what we saw last night. That was better on offense, and the defense was miles better than what we saw last year. We'll see what Stanford turns out to be. We'll see if USC can keep this up. But, I mean, as one data point, this is, like, far and away more impressive than the shit that they were doing to mediocre teams last year. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very interesting and impressive. Reed, what about you? USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon State. Which of these teams, or is there a unit or something about these teams? What was most impressive to you about any of these four performances? I'm going to go with Oregon State. I think this is under the radar, obviously. Like, if you don't know anything about FCS, which I'll be honest, I I know barely anything, but I know some things, you might just treat all those opponents the same. But, like, Bill Connolly, who does the SP+, models all the FCS and FBS teams, had this at a 36-21 to game projected. And the fact that Oregon State just like asserted themselves to that degree, took this, you know, huge 50 point lead before UC Davis even scored is genuinely impressive. I I don't think we should just write that off and say it's an FCS team because UC Davis is a good FCS team and Oregon State teams of the past or even, you know, just mid-level teams aren't able to do this consistently. Uh, so I was really impressed with Oregon State. I think it was just another check for me to say, dang, this is a really complete team that they have in Corvallis, actually, it looks like. 
we'll see what happens you know as they start to play better teams but through two games they look like you know a different style a different font but they're the juggernaut in a same in a similar vein to what usc is in some ways not an offensive one but they look like they can strangle the light life out of a lot of teams potentially yeah avery you agree yeah <laughs> it brings me a lot of joy to see oregon state doing this yeah yeah they're they are they look they also look terrifying in a completely different way they look scary in ways that uh you know they, they just look like the most complete team in the pac 12 like where wh- what weakness can you like easily point out to them other than you know maybe like having some raw talent that is that is true receivers okay fine um but like after that it's like they've got a i think their secondary looks pretty good their front seven better than it was last year uh their quarterback situation is now completely fine we didn't really get to see that because what dju threw for eight eight passes uh all told 100 yards it was like didn't have to do much of anything <laughs> game was over really quickly so we couldn't really tell but in the two games that we've seen and the throws that he's made it's been really impressive um their running game obviously incredible their offensive line obviously top two or three in the pack 12 if not number one with a bullet um so yeah i i'm i am very curious to see oregon state we won't get a test for them for a couple weeks now yeah. they got to play another they got to play san diego state uh next week in corvallis but they're gonna fly under like everyone's radars because of the schedule though so that's gonna make it all the more fun like even washington state i feel like a lot of people went i don't know who's gonna win that game i think oregon state's gonna win but if they come away with a win from washington state i think a lot of people's like preconceived notions about what Oregon State and Washington State are they're going to be like okay yeah Oregon State won whatever because people don't watch the games so I think it's going to be kind of like a rude awakening for people that don't watch Oregon State in that Utah game and I'm I'm very excited about it yeah yeah very interesting uh anyone have anything to say have we gone through everyone oh I haven't started uh I'll go with I'll, I'm gonna pick UCLA and uh two things from UCLA that I was most impressed by in that game uh number one Dante Moore Holy shit. I don't know if y'all were watching this game. Probably not. Some unbelievable throws. Like like just sidearm stuff, weird angles, uh some beautiful touch. He looked like an unbelievable passer. I I have like I, I watched that game and was like, uh did he like really make that throw? I'm talking like over the side of like pass rush guys right it's like that thing where like you've got a a a guy in your face and you just sort of sling it around him holy shit i was like uh yeah i'm not sure that i've seen a ucla quarterback do this at all since i've been watching them since like 2010 um it's 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 ridiculous i am really and and like he doesn't make many freshman mistakes he does he does there's still some freshman stuff there but like doesn't make a whole lot of them um He's very polished. He is obviously the starter. Chip Kelly is uh, in the post-game press conference being like, oh, you know, we're still deciding starter. He played for every uh, – he played every snap except for, like, in garbage time where Colin Schley kind of came in in garbage time when the game was well in hand. It's Dante Moore. So I was really impressed with him. I was also really impressed with UCLA's pass rush. That pass rush now two games in a row and really their front seven generally look really, really good. Um, it's – I think that it's them and it's UCLA and Washington State in terms of the best pass rush in the Pac-12. Um, the front seven looks very impressive for UCLA. Liatu Latu looked awesome. 
um, the, uh, I can't, I never know if it's Grayson or Gabriel Murphy, but one of the Murphy twins, uh, looked very good, had a big impact on this game. Even Darius Musau, I think he's been much maligned by UCLA fans. He's a bit of one of those tackle merchants, but like he had several really key plays in this, uh, in this game for the defense. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I, I think UCLA's offense, I feel comfortable now saying like, this is definitely going to be a top 20 offense by this by season's end like i think it will be that's just their floor i think at this point and i think that's true with dante Moore. the their time possession was really low because they were just getting touchdowns whenever they almost whenever they wanted um and and their defense their pass rush is really impressive the secondary is still a weakness i thought it looked better this game i sort of left this game being like okay there's some times where ucla secondary you're like what the fuck is this? And then there's other times you're like, okay, like that was, they kept up step for step, made a play on the ball. Like it was impressive. So I, um, I'm, I'm really curious about UCLA. We also won't get a test for them for a couple of weeks. Um, but it's good, a good, uh, good first, good out, good outing against San Diego state on the, on the road, sort of. Anyway, uh, other thoughts about any of these teams. We didn't really talk about Washington. They were, I think it was a pretty, you know, ho-hum game for them they it wasn't like the boise state game where it was like what they didn't what to whom but they still looked pretty good they got out to an early lead maybe looked a little bit uglier than they normally do but still took they care didn't of cover that a problem. i think this was kaylin divorce first time never covering in a non-conference game oh wow that's insane yeah um that's absolutely insane yeah and the washington game it just <laughs> couldn't move the needle either way it was like what you'd expect it could have been better but it I mean, if you're really stirring up worries about them, it's pretty ridiculous. I'm so fucking depressed about Dante Moore, though. <laughs> like, I am so sad. That was... I just... I can't even bring myself to talk about it. Yeah. That was going to save everything. <laughs> he was the one. <laughs> He's so yeah. good. He's so yeah. insanely... It's, like, absurd. Like, he actually... I don't know. I like he could be like Patrick Mahomes level one day. Like he is just that much of like a blue chip prospect. He is so insane as a freshman, the things he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. He's I'm really curious to see how he looks like, what he develops. He's gonna have to play some better defenses. It's gonna be really interesting. We'll see if uh, you know, any of the other teams can kind of rattle him. Uh they can get pressure there. UCLA's offensive line probably has some stuff to work through, but look pretty good in this game. So I, it sort of feels to me like UCLA's passing game already feels like it's ahead of its if it's running game, which is very interesting to think about. Um, okay, well, that is it for those games. Let's move on to the bottom of the Pac-12. We suffered some very sad, I think tough, but close losses from the bottom of the league. Cal, uh, actually, re- Avery, how about you recap this game for us? I don't, I don't know why I was reading this. <laughs> yeah, this is a very frustrating end to a good first two weeks for the Pac-12. Cal, Arizona, and ASU all took on decent Power 5 opponents. I think they're decent. I wouldn't know. I don't watch games outside of the Pac-12. Um, but they couldn't get it done. After a horrible start against Mississippi State, Arizona's quarterback threw three interceptions on their first three drives. Uh, they managed to tie the game up late in the fourth and send it to overtime, and they lost by literal inches. Cal's defense had a very good showing against Auburn, holding them to 14 points, but Cal's kicker missed three field goals and had another taken off the board for a penalty, so they ended up um, leaving that game with a very frustrating 10 points, which 
easily could have been 22 and a loss to Auburn. Justin Wilcox continues to discover new ways to lose winnable games. <laughs> In a game that was probably much closer than the final score indicates, ASU lost to Oklahoma State at home 27 to 15. This game was 104 degrees at kickoff at 7.30 p.m. That's that's hot for September <laughs> in Tempe. Like I think that's one of like the hottest games Arizona State has ever had. Um, Jaden Rashada had some good moments, but overall played the way you'd expect from a freshman quarterback. Ultimately, ASU just did not have the offensive power to keep up. It was a bummer. Reed, get us started. Which losing effort are you most encouraged by from these three squads? I want to talk about Cal, so I'm going to talk about Cal. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in a different context, this would be such an encouraging performance. For instance, if it was year two under Wilcox, I would be like, whoa, Cal, (laughs) you just went toe-to-toe. You should have won this game. But the fact that we are on year seven having these exact same conversations, wow, the defense looks incredibly competent. They really put their, their gave their team every chance to win. Oh, if we can just figure this thing out, if we can just take advantage of of it on offense and convert our advantage into points, this team could be you know creeping under the top twenty five. I think it's. I saw Cal Twitter talking about it. You know, at some point, there's a common denominator in all of the frustrating losses of you know poor offensive play over the past seven years and it's justin wilcox like i don't know man i don't know that he can do this i i think he deserves to be a defensive coordinator somewhere out west and he'll probably be a pretty good one but i i just don't know this game was so frustrating because they absolutely deserve to beat auburn uh they played really well throughout you know in part like I get it. We probably are talking very differently about this if if their kicker doesn't go one for four on field goals. And sure, you know, that's that's not something that is in Wilcox's control. But again, I go back to there's a common denominator here. This isn't year two. We've seen this same thing happen in a different form so many times. And I think if you're a Cal fan, you just have to be tired of those excuses, tired of coming up short when you thought you might be the better team or you know, thought you might be able to steal one and you never really are able to get over the hump and do it. And it's not like Cal can even do anything about that. Like, where are they <laughs> going to get the money to fire Wilcox? Like, they've put themselves yeah. in this horrible situation and now they just have to deal with it. Um, this is Auburn's first win in the state of California ever. And that, quite frankly, pisses me off. That makes me so angry. This game was within reach. This game was Cal's to win. Their defense played very well i was very impressed by cal's defense um their offense wasn't horrible like i wish they had gotten in the end zone more obviously but like overall it's just like a very frustrating game to watch like cal i was trying to care about cal man i was trying to be like maybe cal could be something but like at the end of the day even if cal is like a five and seven team or a six and six team instead of like the three and nine team i think they are it doesn't fucking matter because they're not going to win anything important with justin wilcox as their head coach so like i just don't want to think about them but here i am every fucking week putting cal on screen one for whatever reason i need to get out of this i mean they they actually too like the crowd showed up for this game. It, it was, was loud. A, it was yeah. It was a big game for Cal. Like this was a moment where 
maybe if they win this game, things change. And yeah, that, you know, that Idaho game, like they're going to win. They're three and oh, they're going to Washington. We know the history between those two schools. Like whatever happens, maybe a ball gets rolling and all of a sudden this is eight and four and there's some momentum here. But with this loss, it just feels like I know where this story is going. You know, it's going to somewhere between three and six wins and it's going to be utterly mediocre and there's no there's no vision here there's no hope to climb out of this that i that i can see it's a waste of our time honestly (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i i uh i i think it's very funny that cal lost i think cal uh, (laughs) deserves to fall into the scrap heap of defunct college football programs uh, but you know, part of me feels sad for them too. I, I, they they uh, had some. Uh, <laughs> this game was so bad, so ugly and stupid. Um, so I I I totally get it. But I don't know. I, I Sam Jackson is a. I will say Sam Jackson, a very fun quarterback. Maybe not a particularly great one, but certainly a, a very fun one. Um, what what other losing efforts we had? Uh, Arizona and Arizona State. Uh, Avery, did you have any thoughts about either of those? I didn't watch games. Were you impressed by either of them? I didn't watch them? the Arizona game. Um, okay, honestly, Neither did I really? I was extremely yeah, no. shocked that they went to overtime. <laughs> that was crazy. Uh, they started out really bad, really, really bad. Their quarterback is shit. Quite frankly, terrible at football. Don't understand why the program is uh, sacrificing their morals to keep him on the team. Doesn't make any sense to me. He's bad. He threw three interceptions on their first three drives. Like, there is no reason they should have been in this game. But somehow, I mean, I guess it makes sense from him. We expect 50-50 from him. So playing bad at the beginning led to them tying it up. And he couldn't get the first down in overtime. So Mississippi State won. I mean, I guess that's, like, impressive that they went to an SEC school and went to the overtime. Like, what was the spread? Nine? Um, for Mississippi State, like that's great. I I just don't think their I don't think their quarterback is anywhere good enough to like make them a good team. Like maybe they'll get to bowl eligible, but like they're not doing anything else. I'm I have a different read on this, and admittedly, I didn't watch that much of it either. Uh, you know, I was in a fight for my life uh, in Lubbock, <laughs> but. Mississippi State's supposed to be pretty good. Like, Mississippi State is getting power rated in the top 30 pretty regularly. And when you look at this game and say Arizona started turning the ball over, like you said, you know, three interceptions, and then they had a fumble on the next drive uh, on the uh, Mississippi State six to give up all those turnovers early in a game and fight back on the road against potentially we'll see maybe a top 30 team. I'm like, holy shit, that's pretty impressive. I would love to watch it and dig into it. And I will and and figure out some of the context around those things. But that makes me think Arizona, you know, whether they're ready to compete for the conference, probably not, but that's some real, like that's so some shows some real guts to go do that in the sec and makes me think hey maybe they're gonna have a game where we look up and they're you know in one late with a usc or washington or you know whoever they play you know maybe it's utah maybe it's ucla but 
I think that they are a dangerous team. For me, I'm just so disillusioned by this team. Like, I quite frankly hope they lose every single game. Like, this program has lost all of my interest. I remember last season, like, I was one of the people that was really rooting for Arizona and was hoping they'd make bowl eligibility. I don't feel that way anymore. I hope Jed Fish tanks this team. I hope he gets fired. I hope that their quarterback goes to jail. Like, quite frankly, I'm, like, very angry about it. And so... Maybe I'm being unfair of like the what they're playing on the field, but like I'm so angry about the situation that Arizona is in with their quarterback that like I just don't care. I don't I hope they lose every game. Right. Yeah. And I think it's fair to have that color our entire yeah. perception of of Arizona this season. That and he sucks. Uh they would have won this game if they if they had if they had McLeod. Any any, any <laughs> other maybe not McLeod. <laughs> <laughs> uh but you know replacement level quarterback that bryson barnes yeah bryson barnes would have won this game <laughs> yeah 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 so uh, it was uh, give him nate people... johnson utah's not yeah. even using him yeah Jetfish yeah. doesn't deserve <laughs> nate johnson um and asc will get shift there real quick uh i thought they looked impressive for most of this game i think they had a real shot to win it um i think offensively man they've got some stuff they need they desperately need to work on um jaden rashada did not look great in this game um i i I was really impressed with cameron scadabo but i feel like their offensive line has man they've got some boy they've got some problems on the offensive line like cameron scadabo got 14 carries 62 yards and a touchdown uh and it felt like every single one of those yards were after contact felt like he was having to break every it felt like he was hitting, getting hit behind the line of scrimmage and turning them into positive yards in that game. So um, I think they have some stuff to figure out. It was another sort of game where Arizona State looked like they had control in the first half and then collapsed in the second half. So, um, And Kenny Dillingham said, said as much that they've got some stuff to figure out. They can't co- keep collapsing in the second half. So, Reed, you've got something to say about Arizona State. The thing with Arizona State is ultimately, like, if we just are evaluating them in a vacuum, this is pretty impressive stuff for year one, like, with all the shit this program has been through. Mm. I think it's only in the context of, like, a really good conference. Yes, yes. And the fact that everyone outside of maybe, you know, Stanford, maybe Cal, but literally everyone else is doing absurd shit and playing, like, you know, on... 15 year peaks and stuff like they're this conference is ascending so hard and Arizona state, a pretty proud program with a pretty good history has been dealt, you know, a really tough hand over the last five years, some of which they've done to themselves. And I think Dilly's slowly chipping away in game two at, you know, figuring some of this stuff out and trying to shift it. And we'll see how that works out. Like I don't, it's not really a, a fair expectation to think that they would beat Oklahoma state. I feel like, but given the fact that we didn't watch the PAC 12 lose a game for the past, you know, whatever, 300 days going up to this, like it, it felt like, Hey, maybe Arizona state should win this one. They didn't in the end, but I don't know. I'm still, I'm tempered on the fact that, you know, some of us said, hey, Arizona State can be the type of team that we saw them at the start of 2021 or before that. They can win six to eight games and be really scary. And they're probably not that this year, especially given how good everyone else is. 
But I think maybe we look at them in week, you know, maybe they push Oregon in that week 12 game. Maybe they can actually beat Arizona at the end of the season and they look like a very different team by then because there is some talent here. Elijah Badger's very good. Jalen Conyers, great tight end. And Rashada is a freshman. You know, he yeah. hasn't been quite what Dante Moore has been at UCLA, but that dude has talent. He throws some good, beautiful passes in moments. And once he get those gets those reps behind him, it could look very different at the end of this year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. To be- Go ahead, Avery. Yeah, I agree with what Reed said. I set like very high ex- expectations for Arizona State. So I've had to like really like pull back the reins there because I was in here saying they're going to be the fourth team in the Pac-12, which was admittedly a hot take like on purpose uh, or the fifth team. I don't know what it was. But yeah, I mean... Arizona State is dealing with some tough shit. Like, first-year head coach, they can't even play in the postseason. So, like, if they are bull eligible, they're not because they've self-imposed a ban. Like, that fucking sucks. Like, I genuinely think that took, like, the air out of their lungs a little bit. That sucks for their seniors um, and this team. And, like, Oklahoma State, I don't don't know how good they are, but (laughs) they're a Power 5 team, and they beat Arizona State last year, like, and – it was closer than the score indicated. Like the score watchers and record checkers are going to say Arizona state is bad (laughs) just straight up from this game. But like, there's some promising things about Arizona state. There's some sad things about Arizona state, but considering the situation they've been put in, like I feel fine about them. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, I think it's, I, I did not, you're right, Reed. I think I'm judging them a little harshly because they're one of what, three losses that the Pac-12 has had over two weeks. Yeah. So they get magnified a little bit more. Um, but I think it's I think it's probably okay for a team to just be figuring it out. <laughs> like it's, you know, especially year one after you're right, going three and nine, losing a bunch of guys over the past two years, having everything they're dealing with. I, I think it's fair. Um, okay, let's move on to talk about some, let's take a truck stop to talk about some news. One piece of news here, Wazoo and Oregon State, you alluded to this earlier, Avery, filed a formal legal complaint against the Pac-12 and George Kliokoff on Friday. Apparently, this is Oregon Oregon State's and Washington State's way to take control of the remaining Pac-12 assets, including the Pac-12 networks, the Pac-12 name, the Pac-12 brand, uh, since uh, they are the only remaining voting members. So, quick, quick instant reactions to this piece of news, Reed. I think it's fucking hilarious. Uh, it just further cements George Klefkoff's horrible legacy with this conference. And I hope Wazoo and Oregon State get control of this stuff, can find a way to make it a life raft, get somewhere. You know, I don't want those programs to disappear at all, obviously. Yeah. Avery. You might be singing a different tune when you realize that if they take control as the sole voting members, they can vote <laughs> to make it so they're, they play in the conference championship this year. <laughs> Like, there is a very real world where that happens, and I hope it does, okay? When this news dropped, I was like, that would be hilarious. But now, after watching what Wazoo did yesterday, I'm like, hey, they might they might not need to do that. They might be in there anyways. <laughs> like, there's, these teams are both good. They could both be in the conference championship game. I think this is great. I, I do not think they should let the Pac-12 name die. I think they absolutely should try to do the thing where it's just the two of them playing each other and calling themselves the pack two i i think that's hilarious and honestly like 
way better than them ending up as G5 teams. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, yeah, I'm rooting for them to take all of the assets. I think there's going to be the schools are clearly trying to want to divide up the assets left over, sell them off, get some of the money back. They should just like if they had any any sense of justice, any sense of shame, they would just let Oregon State and Washington State have things like give them that in the divorce at least yeah. at the very least let them have those things like if they don't let them have it like i expect yeah i expect oregon state and washington state to be all these top pac 12 teams this year because karma is a bitch so I, I hope so i really do all right well that's it for more realignment stuff we gotta talk about realignment every week don't we uh let's move on to make some game predictions Uh, no update from Greg this week I can on do the, the pick'em party. Okay, you got it? Yeah. Um, Go for it. So out of the No Truck Stops hosts, Carlos did the best with six out of 11 picks. Me, Greg, and Reed all had five out of 11, and Matt had four out of 11, which was tied for the worst score. But Matt is still ahead of all of us, which sucks. Um, the winner of this week is Ted to the Rick going nine out of 11. The hardest pick was Tulsa to cover and um, the under for that game as well, which I'm shocked that Tulsa covered and the over wasn't hit. There's, there's the update. Thank you for that. Do you also have an update? Uh, are you also doing a match job here and giving us an update on our picks sure. after week two? Yeah. Um, let's see what we got here in the points. Carlos still seems to be in the lead with 25 points, followed by... Still seems to be in the lead. <laughs> hey, if Arizona would have won, I would be leading, okay? Um, me and Greg are behind at 20, and then Matt and Reed are tied at 19. Straight up win losses, Greg's ahead because he just, you know, picks the favorites. 20 to yes. 4. Carlos um, is 19 and 5. Reed is 19 and 5. I'm 18 and 6. And Matt is leading up the rear at 17 and 7. Not bad. Not bad. All right. We've got a another insane slate of games. The loving contests all on Saturday. It's the last week of non-con, so just one more crazy slate before God. things calm down. Uh, but first, this is a, a, a I was gonna warn everyone now. Not a good slate of games. <laughs> uh, on Saturday, Weber State Weber State travels to Salt Lake City to play Utah. No line on this game because Weber State is an FCS school. Get ready to hear that a lot this episode. But Reed, how much does Utah win by? It depends who plays, I guess, but probably 40. I don't know. Is Weber State good? <laughs> yeah, Weber State's ranked. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. okay uh, 25. <laughs> Avery. Utah has struggled at home with Weber State before. I don't think they'll lose because it's Utah at home, but I wouldn't be shocked if this was like a two-score game late in the game. Like, I okay. think the Weber State isn't going to, like, get too close, but they're going to be around there, and it's going to be annoying, and the Utah starters are going to have to play longer than they want to. So I wouldn't be shocked if it's like a 15-20 point game. Okay. Uh, yeah, give me Utah by, I mean... I guess it depends on if Cam Rising is playing in this game. Uh, well, what am I yawning? Uh, yeah, give me give me Utah by 20, I guess. Uh, next up at 12.30 p.m. on FS1, another San Diego State game. This time they travel to Corvallis to play the big, bad beavers of Oregon State. Do we have lines yet? I don't see a line on my app. I don't think we have lines I yet. I don't think so we have annoying. lines yet. Yeah, God 9 a.m. I guess it's a tough time to have, to have lines. Um, anyway... 
probably Oregon State will be favored. Should I just set a bunch of uh should Big I set points. my own? Should I be a Chad? Yeah. Say Oregon State minus 17. They're covering. <laughs> okay. Yeah, based on what they've done, I'll, I gotta pick them to cover. Okay. Uh yeah, I would pick them to cover 17. I think I'd probably pick them to go all the way up to 21. I think San Diego State could present a little bit of uh of I don't know what do you call it. Uh, some 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 resistance, but we'll see. I think Oregon State should win that comfortably. All right, uh, at 1 p.m. on the Pac-12 Networks, Cal hosts Idaho in a bounce-back tilt after losing to Auburn. Line is off. Another FCS team. Avery, how much does Cal win by? Idaho's ranked two. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine Justin Wilcox will fuck up so bad that they lose to an FCS team, though. So I assume Cal will win, but it's going to be like too close for comfort. Okay. Ten points. Okay. I have more faith, like 25 points, Cal. Okay. All right. Uh, I think they should come. I think they should win pretty, uh, pretty big. Uh, our homie Stodge says Idaho just beat the shit out of Nevada. Kind of interesting. Um, yeah. Give me, yeah. Give me Cal by 14. Kinda wa- by the way, I kind of want to pick Idaho. To, to win? Okay. All right. I'm just I'm trying. Are you to, gonna do it? I'm just trying to be interesting because I don't want us okay. to all pick the same. Yeah, I'll pick I mean, Idaho here's, to win. This is a bad. This is, wow. Okay. I'll do it. <laughs> it's just a. It's just a bad slate is the problem, right? Like it's just a, a horrendous slate. That's that's our issue. Um, but okay, going with Idaho. Yeah, I've got Cal winning by two touchdowns. Washington travels to Michigan State at 2 p.m. This game. Is on fucking Peacock. Yeah, what the fuck? <sighs> I'm not signing up for this game. They just missed this game entirely. Uh, the Huskies. Have a free trial. Huskies will probably be favored. I think. Again, we have no lines. I'm looking at Vegas Insider right now. Nada, nothing. We're way, way too early, I guess. Uh, actually, uh, DraftKings does have a line for the Colorado game, so that's that's cool. Um, Reed, how much? Who who wins and by how much? Washington by a lot. Um, Mel Tucker is a piece of shit. Is he even going to be coaching? <laughs> I Probably think he not. might not be coaching, honestly. So if those don't know who are like, well, what are you talking about? Why would a Mel Tucker coach? Um, he uh, was accused of sexual harassment by a prominent survivor of sexual assault and activist of, uh, you know, prevention of sexual assault. Uh, she was working closely, apparently, with Mel Tucker on trying to educate the players and the community about sexual assault and uh, affirming consent and blah, 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 like all that great stuff. And Mel Tucker apparently got on the phone with her and uh, like sexually harassed her, like masturbated while she was on the phone with him. Same. Which is like, I mean, it's like, uh, it's a new level of sexual harassment when you're doing that with someone for whom you are working with to curtail and prevent sexual harassment and assault so real piece of shit i don't i don't know like michigan state already has so many scandals i i i I would be surprised if he's coaching there so i think i mean this does not mean anything we're talking about the context of the stupid fucking game uh but i probably that means washington's gonna win by a lot so any other any other thoughts did we did everyone pick already I think so. Yeah. I've got okay. you up. Hopefully yeah. Michigan State used that to get off of his extremely bloated, undeserved contract, too. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. At 2 p.m., 
UCLA hosts HBCU North Carolina Central on the Pac-12 Networks. This line is off because it's an FCS team anyway. So, Avery, how much does UCLA win by? Well, it's racist to win by a lot. So, um, hopefully they only win by one. <laughs> <laughs> they did pretty good. They did pretty good last last year. It was, you know, like 42 to 14, something like that. Yeah. Something that That's lo- a looks nice, like a normal score. score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that if it were Oregon, they would run up the score, get to 90, 95, right, Reed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, Reed, how much, how much does UCLA win by? Like 25, probably okay. 28. Yeah, sounds reasonable to me. I've got the same thing. Another 2 p.m.er. Uh, this time it's Northern Colorado traveling to Pullman to play Wazoo on the Pac 12 networks. This line is off because it's another FCS school. So, read how much of the Cougars live by. <laughs> this slate is so horrible. Um, probably by a lot. Probably by 28 <laughs> again. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Avery, what are we doing here? Um, Just give me a number. Well, How much is Wazoo I do wanna, Yeah, I don't have much to say. Uh, 30, 40, okay. 50, I don't okay. know. Okay. This one, not an FCS school, but might as well be. Hawaii travels to Eugene to take on Oregon on the Pac-12 networks. The Ducks will certainly be favored. Let's say, I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess the line here. I'm going to say 28. We haven't, they cover we haven't been spread. reading uh, Greg's and Matt's picks, but they've been picking the exact same. Except on this one... They Matt put in Oregon State instead of Oregon, and I'm oh. I'm leaving I it. Say, I was like, what? <laughs> I'm I'm leaving it because <laughs> I think okay. that's funny. He's picking Oregon State in the Oregon Hawaii game. Very good. Yeah, Very or good. Stanford beat the shit out of this team, and Stanford's bad, so I think they'll win by fifty. Okay, read. Yeah, I was gonna say the exact same thing. They'll win by like fifty. They have oh. no Oregon has no shame in running uh, up these uh, scores. Yeah, it's clear. Very, very clear. Also, FPM, another FCS game, except maybe not in the same category. Sac State travels a couple hours south to play Stanford on the Pac-12 networks. The line is off here because, again, Sac State is an FCS school, but this is a revenge game for Sac State since Troy Taylor was their head coach last year, and now he runs Stanford. And we just watched Stanford get their asses absolutely handed to them by USC. So, Reed, start us off. Wait, I'll ask this Carlos, point blank. make up a line because we need to have uh, a line for our point system. Stanford minus 10. Okay, I'll allow it. Those so, fucking cowards. How do they not give us a line for this game? <laughs> this game could be good. This, is, this one could be interesting. What do you think, Reed? Uh, I'm a coward, too. I think I'm just going to pick Stanford. Okay. Avery? This is the bad vibes game of the No. <laughs> I'm, even, I'm not even ready. Um, you know what? I'm just trying to keep things fun and interesting. But if if somebody were to lose to an FCS school, I think that Stanford's bad. I think you got that revenge game because Troy Taylor was the Sac State coach. Um, could be scary. So I, I'm picking Sac State. Yeah, I... Man, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick Stanford to win. I'm being a coward here too. I'm not ready to go there yet. I'm not ready to say Stanford is dog shit bad, but this game is gonna tell us a lot. I think, which is crazy to say. An FCS game is gonna. We're gonna learn a lot. We're gonna learn a lot for, about Stanford in this game. Most uh, intriguing even, game of the week three slate. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> I think you might be right. Ah, uh, there might be another one. That evening at 7 p.m., Colorado finally gets to show off their muscle against a bad opponent. They host Colorado State on ESPN. The Buffs, actually, we do have a line for this one. This is the only one because, you know, everyone's going crazy for Colorado. Colorado opens as 17-point favorites. I think it's like DraftKings or something. They're 17-point favorites uh, against Colorado State. Reed, who wins, who covers? I Colorado State, I'm convinced. I mean, Colorado, not Colorado <laughs> State. 
I'm convinced the buffs will cover by like 20 because that's what they do apparently. So I'll roll with Colorado. <laughs> they, ju- they just cover. Avery, 17 point favorite. Yeah, uh, they'll cover. 17 point spread. They'll cover. They'll cover. I'm not worried about I- it. I think they'll cover too. At 7.30 p.m., our old friends, the Bulldogs of Fresno State and Jeff Tedford travel to Tempe to play Arizona State on FS1. Don't have a line for this one, but I don't. I would, I'd probably put this at ASU minus three, maybe? Reed, who wins, who covers? Is Fresno State bad? I Fresno have no State idea. Almost how good. lost to Eastern Washington in overtime yesterday, but they won. Oh, interesting. I'm going to pick Fresno State, man. Oh. I don't know. Tickets are $5 for this game, by the way. We can't let Greg be the only one that picks ASU. I'm picking ASU. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Give me ASU. I guess I could cover three points, and I think they'd win. Yeah. I'd, I'd pick ASU. I'm picking Fresno State. Goodness gracious. Matt Did Matt pick Fresno, Fresno State? State? Oh, man. This is going to be interesting. Um, okay. We'll see. Back in the pack pays off for us uh last game of the evening deep into the darkest moments of the night at 8 p.m pacific utep traveling to tucson to play arizona on the pac-12 networks the wildcats don't know if they're favorites uh probably will be seven point favorites is utep any good they lost no to jack blue. state okay 14 point favorites <laughs> avery let's assume why the arizona's 14 point favorite who wins who covers I probably should pick Arizona to cover. I don't know. I don't I don't want to think about them. <laughs> Reed? Utah lost to Northwestern. Oh, we've got some lines. We've got some lines. Oh, oh update us. All right. Arizona. Uh, no, we don't. This is for week three. Week two. <laughs> never mind. We don't have lines. Also this is so annoying. <laughs> I'm so excited. No lines. Here I am refreshing over and over again. Nope. We got nothing. Nothing. So, as I was going to say... <laughs> UTEP lost to Northwestern, who's not very good. And they lost to Northwestern 38-7. to I think uh, Arizona's going to blow UTEP out of the water. Yeah, give me Arizona. I think minus, I don't know, I'd go up to all the way to 14, minus 14. Yeah, give me Arizona to win and probably cover too. Uh, I'd go like minus 28. I don't, they're, wow, okay. I, I mean, UTEP Northwestern good. isn't good. Yeah, okay. No, no, okay. you're thinking of UTSA as good. Who's uh, also yeah. from a Texas team with a in the, in the dark South blue and whatever. orange uh, <laughs> color scheme? UTSA yeah. has the bird, and UTEP is like the minor, the minor thing. Yeah, <laughs> with an E. Um, by the way, the Washington line did come out. Uh, Washington is favored by eleven and a half over Michigan. State. I want it's the Fresno State line. line. One second, I, I need to is say that. It. I don't. I don't think I would pick Washington to cover that easily. Really. I guess Michigan State isn't good and they don't have a coach. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, we remember last year, right? Their DBs (laughs) suck. Why aren't the line? Why is. What the fuck? (laughs) Anyway, we don't have lines (laughs) for this. We're going in. Yeah, yeah. It's, It's silly. Anyway. That's it. Another week in the books. Let us get the hell out of here. We are back on YouTube next Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific to recap week three. Be sure to subscribe to the channel to get updates when we go live and of course we'll drop this into your podcast feeds every monday at 5 a.m pacific for now that's avery that's reed i'm carlos thank you for joining us live thank you for listening thank you for subscribing please subscribe before you get out of here and thank you to homefield for sponsoring this podcast as always we will see you next week and remember there are no truck stops here there's a few truck stops here
Wine. 